everybody, this is Cindy Fish. You are listening to the At His Feet podcast. I want to invite you today to set aside your whirlwind of busyness and mental to-do list to have a seat beside me at the feet of Jesus. Now let's pursue Him together. Thank you for listening. Hello again. Uh, Welcome to episode four of At His Feet. Today we'll call an open invitation. If you have have been listening, and especially if you listened to episode one and you heard my take on Mary and what her good was, uh, today is a contrast of that where we'll talk about Martha and how Jesus loves her too. And um, we'll really just dig into that in just a little bit and how, how God just has an open invitation to each of us at that special place at His feet. Uh, before we begin, I'll just kind of let you know an update on my family and I and where we're at and all that. And uh, currently, we got to Walkerton, Indiana uh, this week. We left on uh, Saturday. We left Smithville, Tennessee. We were in revival there. It was a youth conference, and then revival services followed. Um, It was one of those revivals where, you know, I can't point out just crazy miracles that happened, but it was a lot of internal stuff to where you you could see in the altar call and in the response of the people that God was really doing some deep things. It was a lot of uh, conviction preaching and a lot of commitment in the altars, and it was so powerful. There were, uh, I think, maybe five people that were filled with the Holy Ghost while we were there. And that was just awesome and so exciting and so wonderful. And so we rejoice at that. And now we are in uh, Walkerton, Indiana. And this revival is not over yet, but we are enjoying just being here and spending time with this first family and um, the Smiths. Sometime this week, I'll be interviewing the pastor's daughter. Her name is Brooklyn Smith. Super great girl. I won't really talk much about her today, but in a few episodes, you will hear from her. Just be on the lookout for that. Be listening for that. You know, we've got plenty to talk about today, though, so we'll just get right into it. We'll go ahead and get started today. Today, we're talking about, you know, in episode one, we talked about Mary. We talked about Mary. In episode two, we talked about a few different instances where people found their place at Jesus's feet, and then uh, more about like witnessing on episode two. In episode three, we talked about people that found healing at Jesus's feet, both for themselves or like Jairus for others. And then today, uh, we're going to talk about Martha. I think so many times when people look at the two sisters, they, you know, if they're one or the other, they usually, I think Martha kind of gets a bad uh, rep, bad rap, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> people don't always want to be identified by being a Martha. And so today, one, I'll talk about some things that can keep us from God, at least all I can speak from is my personal experience, um, and then we'll talk about the good of Martha and how God has an open invitation to each of us at that place, regardless of who we identify with. So I, I'll just start by talking about things that could keep us away, something that has kept me away at different times. You know, I think something that robs us with that intimacy with God is, is just busyness. You know, when, when Jesus spoke to Martha in that correction, he says, Martha, you are anxious and concerned with many things, but one thing is needed. That which Mary has chosen is the good part. You know, and I think it's so easy in the church and at home to go nonstop and overcommit and just work ourselves to exhaustion. But what I have found is that sometimes when I'm too busy, I don't have time to stop what I think I don't have time, right? You have time for what you make time for. But if I'm so busy, I, I don't have that moment to stop and get alone with God. 
And you know, for sometimes for me, I've seen that maybe that's why I stayed so busy in that season or in that moment. You know, maybe maybe for you, I know for me, there's times that there's been situations that I've been so broken over or I didn't want to stop and have to deal with or uh, mess with the emotions of it. I know that there's been times where I have put off that closeness with God because I knew that what I was carrying was so just heavy and would take more time to unpack than what I felt like I had to give. And maybe I'm the only one who has felt that. There's been times that I knew, okay, this is big. This is something that I I really need time to deal with. And I don't have the time right now. I thought I didn't have the time. And so I didn't want to just get down and just, you know, barely talk to God. Or, or I would get down and barely talk to God. But I wouldn't ever for a season touch that that place of brokenness or that place that had driven me to busyness. If that makes sense, I can I can point to specifically two times. One, one I can't I can't talk about because it doesn't involve me specifically. Um but it was a time where I was really hurt and I, I thought, I'm too busy right now. God, this is gonna take a long time and a bucket of tears to just hash out with you and to let you touch and to let you get close to so I'm just going to be distant. And then another time I actually will talk about today. You know, I've realized just if I can't take the time to rest in the presence of God, then I need to check my motives. And I need to look at the reason behind the actions that are causing me to be so busy. And for me, there's a root to it. And whatever it is at that moment, I have to get rid of it and I have to get it right. I really felt the need to share this, and um, it's a journal enter- entry from the time where something was keeping me distance from distant from God, not by His choosing, but but by mine. I shared some about losing our baby a couple years back last episode. Uh, the journal entry that I'm about to share is from that time. And you know, this isn't something that I'll talk about just all the time. But to me, everything we go through has been something that we can learn from, each one of us. And that's why I'm going to share it. You know, and I also have felt for so long that it wasn't time for me to share certain things. But I feel like in doing this podcast, I, I, I said it in episode one that I just feel like God's saying, okay, go and share and uh all those little God moments, it's like He's giving me the the opportunity or allowing me to speak on these things. And so I am willing and I will. You know, statistics show that one in five women have actually experienced a loss similar to mine. Uh, never looks the same and no one deals with it the same. So I can't speak for everyone. I can speak for myself and I can share from a place of... Uh, vulnerability from my story and my journal pages. And my journal actually is my phone notes. I don't know if anyone else does that. I'm sure you do. When when I'm just like talking to God or journal pages, really a journal, it's like a prayer thing. Like I'm just typing out to God or getting my emotions out, getting my feelings out. uh, Or if God speaks something to me, I type it in my phone, that kind of thing. So October 20th, 2018, it says this, I haven't been in mourning every day over the loss of our baby. Actually, it's not even a constant thought. Sometimes my heart aches when I allow myself to think about it, but all in all, I thought I was okay. The past couple of weeks, I have felt such a pull in my spirit to cry out to God and get alone with Him. But for some reason, I have avoided this. Yes, I have prayed. I've prayed about frivolous matters. I've also prayed for Ezra at night. I've prayed for my husband. I've thanked God for his blessings through the day. Prayed for my father-in-law. I've thanked God for the works he's done in revivals and on and on and on. I've prayed about everything. Even prayed for patience and wisdom when Taylor came up against a problem during a painting side job. All of this has just felt like that drive-by prayer not actually stopping long enough for God to speak back. But I have not 
gotten on my face and just asked God if I could sit in his presence. That's something that I do often, and I have physically felt the pulling of Jesus' hand tugging my heart to come and be alone with him. It's a place of vulnerability and complete openness, and I have been avoiding it. Not exactly on purpose either. But tonight, after praying and going to that place, his word came through my mind. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. These are words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 11 as a message to send to John the Baptist. John was in prison and sent messengers to ask if Jesus was the Messiah that John had preached about for so long. John had known before and had such a powerful, undeniable experience the day that he baptized Jesus, yet he questioned. He questioned because he was in prison and facing death, and Jesus, the miracle worker, was in the city doing great works for everyone else but him, it seemed. His questioning was not in jealousy, but in hurt, and wondering, why not me too? His thoughts seemed to have been, hey Jesus, why haven't you done a work for me too? I know that you are fully capable, yet here I sit in chains, or me today. And then my journal entry ended there. I was still at a place where I didn't have the words. That kind of place is where Romans 8 and 26 comes into action. And this is the ESV. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You know, in this moment, in this um, time of staying away from God, when all this happened, I wasn't angry at God over the loss. I never was. I remember the day that we found out and telling God, God, I trust you. Telling God, God, I'm not mad at you. Yet as time continued and the hurting really started, I began to push that hurt further and further down. Instead of letting the healer touch it and mend my heart, I stayed busy and I kept moving and refuse to be still long enough to actually feel the ache of it all. You know, I'm actually probably, no, I am uh, embarrassed by this, but when I I just said that, I thought, you know, uh, maybe a couple days after we lost the baby, no, probably the day, day after or something, my pastor and pastor's wife came over, and I was in the kitchen, and I was fixing us lunch, and um, my pastor's wife came in, and was talking to me and um and you know she knows the ache she knew the ache that I was feeling even even though even in that I remember not even stopping what I was doing to talk because I didn't want to be vulnerable I didn't want to feel the ache of it I didn't want to talk feelings I didn't want to talk what was going on I I talked so just about the lunch that I was making. You know, I I was making, what was I making? I think like pork chops and baked beans or something. I don't know, and vegetables like broccoli for myself and for Taylor. And uh, I refused to stop because I did not, I didn't want to be vulnerable and I didn't want to be just open and and that's the same thing, right? Like we, we could stay so busy and keep moving in that we won't even feel what's going on. We won't even have to think of what's going on. And that's my tendency. So what began as hurting turned to offense. And thank God that he prompted me that day, two months after that. Uh, and he touched that pain before it could turn into bitterness. I had been sitting there for too long with this hurt in my spirit. Because I knew that he was capable of miracles. But I didn't I didn't receive a miracle the way I thought it should look. You know, we evangelizing, we see miracles all the time. We see God do incredible things for people. So believing for something is absolutely not a problem for me. I can look at just about any situation and say, God is able. God will do the work. 
God, I believe that you can do this. We've seen blind eyes opened. You know, I mean, just incredible things. But when you don't receive what you thought you should, it's kind of like, for me, I just shut off. Two months after the loss, I my schedule, our schedule was full of serving and working in the kingdom. But I wasn't really close to God. I was busy, but I wasn't close to Him. And I know that hurt or grief aren't everyone's reason to stay away. So like I said, I'm just speaking from my example, you know, my life. But I know that with the number of people who have listened so far, there are surely many of you that are in the same spot right now, hurting, aching, lonely, wondering where God is and what He is doing, grieving a loss, maybe a relationship, a loved one, even maybe just grieving the loss of what you thought things would look like in your life right now, but outwardly still serving, still ministering, but from a place of emptiness. If we don't first fill our cup with Him, what is it that will even flow out as we minister? You know, in that season for me, those two months, I think I was trying to live off of reserves, at least towards those outside of my home, because uh, I know that Taylor got the weakest version of me in that time, and he was so patient and so understanding towards me. But those reserves were sure to run out soon, and I knew I had to get it right. And looking back, I can see that, that God had been so patient with me too. Two months of distance, where we had once had close moments often. Two months of only going for needs, where one time I, I went to Him, to Jesus, just to spend time with Him. Yet He kept trying to draw me in kept trying to get me to come and spend time. He saw my wounds and he saw my hurt and he knew that he was the only one that could reach down and heal it. If only I would make my way to that well-known place at his feet. But you know, I recognize that we're not all in the same boat. And so another side that I can look at it is this. You know, for some of us, working and serving is just in our nature. And maybe nothing is actually wrong. You know, it's not like we're hiding from a hurt or anything like that. But we're just, I don't know, worker bees, you know. We stay busy. We stay doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, after episode one about Mary, I cannot tell you how many people messaged or texted me and said, I needed this. I am such a Martha. And, you know, each time... I try to just reply that we really do need both. We need balance. And I hope that I, I can really fully convey that in this episode. The goal was to point out the contrast. And in the same way, if everyone went and laid at Jesus' feet all day, we'd have a lot of very spiritual people, but we'd probably fall into that category of being so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. So it's really all about learning the balance. And I I think that balance looks different for each of us. If you've ever read the Five uh, Love Languages book, you know that there's a main way that each of us give love in a main way that we best receive love. Uh, Giving gifts, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, and acts of service. It's It's a good book. I can... Well, okay, I read it many years ago, but uh, Taylor and I read it while we were dating. Knowing more about him now, um, I should probably rephrase that. There is no way that he read that book. He probably read the first chapter, maybe, but probably just the first page, and then took the quiz. But either way, uh, I think it really helped me understand, and even him, to understand how better to to show each other how we cared, you know, and how to nurture our relationship as it was growing. They even have quick little tests online to help you figure out how, you know, your both of your, your love languages. And I really think it's a benefit to know in all relationships, not just dating or marriage. So for me, the way that I show love, the main way is acts of service. And if you know me, you probably know this, 
I'm really good at giving this kind of love, but I'm really bad at receiving this kind of love. And that could mean, you know, cooking my husband's favorite meal, having the house clean when he gets home, uh, things like that, you know. Um, But even showing Taylor love that way, I had to realize in those early days that he doesn't only want to receive love that way. So I have to step outside of what's my tendency and consider his wants. He best receives love uh, through words of affirmation. He wants to hear verbally, not just through actions, that he is loved and cared for. And, you know, when we were first talking, talking by like, I don't even know if the, I was going to say the kids, but that really ages me. I don't really know if... um, teenagers or dating people even do the talking phase anymore. But for us, it was like where we liked each other, but we weren't dating, but we went on dates, but we weren't official. We were like trying to figure each other out. I don't know. It's weird. And it's totally probably unnecessary. But um, when we were talking, he would always say, tell me what you think. And I'm not one to really open up, especially then. And I, I really would have no clue what he wanted me to say. I would just be like, about what? <laughs> like, what do you want from me? And he would say, about me. And and so he was really fishing to know exactly what I thought about him or us verbally. But I basically never go, gave those compliments or affirmations. So, it was, you know, there was this lacking in our relationship all because I wasn't mindful or wasn't aware of his needs. Of course, now in knowing this, I love him and I want to do these things. So I make it a point to be just his loudest cheerleader, his biggest encourager. And, uh, you know, likewise with God, God doesn't want us to just go, go, go. He does see our actions and he does see our works. But for me, I've had to, you know, adjust that tendency to do and change my doing to being when it comes to making time to be close with God. You know, God also wants that quality time. And I think we've all heard it said that working in the church doesn't equal a relationship with the God of that church or something like that. And it's true. It's so true. I won't say that God doesn't want me to be me. There is plenty of room for working and serving in the kingdom, but I can't get so busy with my to-dos that I neglect just being with my God. God does desire us to come close and get alone with Him, even if it means sometimes putting down our aprons to do it. No amount of service will make up for that secret place fellowship with Jesus. But in the same breath, I can say that being in the secret place with God gives us the desire to serve others, to serve with the right spirit and the right motives. I'll also say that when we serve others after first getting alone with God, we have a right attitude about it. There's a verse that I love, and I I used to keep it on a bulletin board when I was working. I um, my last job that I had was before Ezra was born. I worked in a funeral home. I would often greet families and help, uh, you know, gather their pictures and their details for the service, among many other things. And I knew that this was not something I could do from an empty cup. And I wanted to be very intentional to show the love of God, uh, you know, to these people in probably the hardest times of their lives. And it's Ephesians 6 and 6, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And I think here is where we can test our balance between Martha and Mary. It doesn't have to be either or. We can be both and. We can be both Mary and Martha. Close relationship with God while serving others. We just have to do it from the right place. Simply put, we must cultivate relationship with God, not just with His people. If I have not first been alone with God, and I mean really alone, no distractions and let Him speak to me and fill me with His strength, then how good am I to someone else? Really? If my righteousness is as a filthy rags, then I have to put on Christ and let His words, His strength, 
His Spirit flow through me and minister to others because I cannot do that on my own and be as effective as I want to be. My natural tendency is definitely more Martha than Mary. So I really want to talk about Martha's good because she had a lot of good qualities. The heart of a servant is so needed in the kingdom. So while I talk about either woman, just keep in mind that balance is key. And when I talk so in depth about Mary in episode one, it's because I believe that's where I am most lacking. And I know that even in my home church, the ladies work so hard. They know how to serve like literally no one else I've ever seen. But in keeping that balance, I have also watched the biggest servant in our church work altars and pray with people of all ages. Not when it was just convenient for her, but I have watched her really just tarry and pray as long as someone needed. I've watched her worship through trials that have come her way, and I know that she knows how to get alone with God and serve. I know no one who better fills the role of having a servant's heart more than Sister Mary Womack. But um, what does it even mean to be a servant? What does it mean to have a servant's heart? And I think first we have to think of what a servant is. A servant is a person that meets the needs of others. A servant is an individual who puts themselves under submission to another as far as what, what someone else needs. A servant is different from a slave in that a servant's loyalty to one's master is voluntary. But a slave's is not. I want to be a bond servant. Like Deuteronomy chapter 15 describes, the one that willingly stays and serves and becomes family. I want it to be known to God that I'm not going anywhere. Think about it. In your church, who is more likely to easily walk away? The one in the middle of every event and every fundraiser and every single thing going or the one who's distant from the body and doesn't really have ties to anyone. Being a servant has so many benefits to you. It's just another vital part in our walk with God. First Peter actually gives a command to serve and to serve even more as the end comes. Y'all, we're here. Jesus is coming back for His church, and we want every single person that we can reach to come with us. We were created to bring God glory, and He is glorified through our serving when we do it from the right spirit. So I'll read First uh, Peter 4, 7 through 10. It says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We can bring glory to God in our serving as long as we are doing it to Him and through Him, through His strength. When Martha is found serving, uh, you know, based on Jesus' correction, we can see that She was doing it from a place of distraction and worry. For years, those who identify with Martha have felt guilty for serving instead of sitting at Jesus' feet. Because Mary seems like, you know, the poster child for getting it right. But, But so many have overlooked the fact that there's nothing wrong with serving. And how do we even know that? In John 12, if you remember, we talked about how there was a celebration, a feast of sorts, where uh, you know they rejoiced at Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it's that dinner where, where Mary anointed Jesus for burial. But we see there that Martha was found serving again. But Jesus doesn't tell her to stop that time or change her attitude there. 
It's almost like his nod to us that are more like Martha. It was okay. She was doing it from the right place. You know, as as each of the three siblings, they each had their part in bringing God glory that day. Lazarus sat down at the table. Uh, He was sitting, it says, next to Jesus. His part was his testimony that that Jesus had just raised him from the dead. Mary, she poured her her oil on Jesus. Her part was outward worship. And Martha had her part. She was actively serving. Someone had to serve all the people present. By the list of names that are talked about in that story, if you go back and read it, we can see that she had a really big job in serving that day. So our serving isn't the problem, yet sometimes our attitude while we serve is. Jesus' comment at the other uh, Martha serving instance where he says that Mary had chosen the good part that day wasn't Jesus choosing one over the other, but it was an act of love. Each of us from time to time need correction. And if you're like me, it seems like Jesus thinks I need it often, and I do. <laughs> After this scripture, um, I'll share, I guess from now on, I'll, I'll just take that correction as reassurance. Proverbs 3 and 12 in the King James says, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. I can handle that especially the in whom he delights part. (laughs) What if Jesus wasn't asking Martha to sit down physically like Mary that day? He knows each of us and our personalities well. He made us the way that we are. But what if he was inviting her to sit down spiritually, even while her hands were busy, to let her soul rest in his love instead of trying to earn it through her actions? That's really the place I long to live from, resting in Him while doing all the things, not serving from this place of believing that I must do things in order to be loved, but but serving from a place where I know that I am loved by Him, and being loved makes me desire to serve however and wherever God has gifted me. Like how earlier it talks about how when we serve from those gifts, it brings Him glory. And I'm sure that as Martha looked back, she was grateful for that correction of, of the spirit she, she served with. You know, above all else, I like to think that most of us just want to be right and pleasing to God. It seems to me that she learned the balance in serving from a heart of worship, pure motives and without complaint. Her service was both needed and appreciated on the day that we're talking about. And if you are, Martha, this episode is for you. And if you were one that messaged or texted me and said something along the lines of, Oh, I'm such a Martha. Again, I want to remind you that it's not a bad thing. And clearly Jesus doesn't think it's a bad thing either. You know, John 11 and 5 makes a point to tell us that when it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You know, earlier I I said that sometimes it seems like Mary's the favorite in this. But did you hear that? She wasn't even named. In this verse, she's only referred to as Martha's sister. Another nod to all the Marthas needing reassurance that we are needed to. There's this freedom in realizing that we don't have to completely change ourselves to be acceptable to God. And I'm not talking about sin, of course, but I'm talking about core traits. Being wired to work is a good thing, but we also aren't required to wear ourselves out to be worthy. It's important to remind ourselves at times, slow down and to rest. We need to, but we can also walk confidently knowing that we don't have to be someone else in order to be treasured by God. In John uh, chapter 11, we see that um, Martha knows how to go to Jesus in our time of need. Verse 20 shows so much about the two sisters and their different like personalities. And it says this, it says, this is ESV, it says, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. 
but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha was a doer, and when she heard, this is, so okay, I should explain this. This is after Lazarus had been dead, and they had friends all around that were just weeping and mourning with them, okay? So Martha hears that that Jesus is coming, and she's like, okay, I'm going out there. I'm going to do something about this. So Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she could not sit idly. She had to get moving, had to start trying to fix something, you know, had to start trying to find a fix for their current problem. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That's the ESV still. Um, She had faith in saying, if Jesus would have been there in Lazarus' sickness, that he would still be alive. But then she told shows like her ultimate trust in Jesus when she said, but even now I know. Even though it looked hopeless, she had trust that Jesus was still in control. So in talking about Martha's good, we can see that she knew how to get things done. And she had faith. And even beyond beyond faith, she fully trusted Jesus. One more thing I want to point out that was her good and definitely the most important. Uh, So it's 23 through 27. It says this, Jesus said to her, your brother will, will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. She knew exactly who Jesus was. You know, even among his disciples, there was hesitancy when he asked them who he was. The only one who answered correctly was Peter when Peter said, Thou art the Christ. Yet here, Martha, Martha says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. You know, something I heard once that it sticks out to me in, in reading that and is there was this missionary to Greece, and he shared about how when he was witnessing there, they didn't just say God or Jesus, but when referring to salvation and anything biblical, he said that they would refer to Jesus as Christ or the Christ or Messiah. And then revelation would flow to the one they were witnessing to, to explain that Jesus wasn't just a teacher or a prophet. Christ wasn't a name, but a title that came from the Greek word uh, Christos. That means the anointed one. So when they say Jesus Christ, it's saying Jesus, the anointed one. And when Martha calls Jesus the Christ, she's acknowledging that Jesus is the Savior that the Jewish people had been waiting for. And we see from this conversation that that revelation will flow to those who serve from a right spirit. Martha easily recognized what many didn't, that Jesus was the Messiah. There are blessings to being a servant. You know, you know who was the first to see Jesus' first miracle? The servants. As they poured the water pots, they witnessed it turning into wine at the wedding in Cana. And as they served and obeyed, they witnessed, they got to see firsthand the mighty works of our God. If you are a Martha, start looking for these God moments in the middle of your serving. Have faith and trust God like Martha did. And in the middle of your doing, there will be opportunity for revelation and miracles. God perfectly made you to be a doer. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just remind yourself from time to time that you don't have to run yourself ragged in order to be enough. You can rest at this reserved seat that Jesus has for you at his feet where he can make your not enough into more than enough 
through His strength and His Spirit. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So we don't have to carry it all. It's okay to not be strong enough. It's okay to be weak sometimes. We don't have to have it all together all the time. The weight that you carry in trying to hold the load all by yourself is too much. And it was never meant to be yours to bear. I promise you I am talking to myself here. Talking about, you know, things that aren't ours to carry. I think of that scripture of casting our cares on him. Do you remember that verse that I read about uh, Jesus, Jesus correcting Martha? I'm going to read it again. It was in the Amplified. It's uh, Luke 10, 41, 42. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken from her. You know, the place where it talks about casting our cares on him is in Peter, First uh, Peter chapter 5. When I read this scripture a few days ago, it brought me back. I was just reading it in devotion, and uh, it brought me back to that original Martha correction verse. And I thought, how cool that it links so perfectly. Where Jesus said to her, the part where he says, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. You know, this, where I'm about to read it, it just perfectly describes how us Marthas should serve. It's several verses, but it's so good. Okay, so I'll start at verse 5, and this is the Amplified Version. First, it's addressing leaders of the church, and then verse 6 and 7. I'm telling you, it is straight to the worker bees. It says this, Likewise, you younger men, be subject to your elders and all of you. And here it is, pay attention. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Tie on the servant's apron. Yes, it literally says that in the Amplified Version. Tie on the servant's apron. For God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully." I'll read that part again. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. For He cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. And then all the Marthas start sobbing. You know, make your way to that place of rest in Jesus and cast your cares on Him. If we consistently spend our time wisely with the right order of priorities, that good part won't just be for Mary, it will be for us too. And being conscious of the fact that we just have to be balanced, and that's the key in all of this. I I feel like today I have gone back and forth. We have to get alone with God, but it's okay to work. It's a good thing to serve, but also don't make yourself weary in well-doing, and on and on. And I hope that you can just see that I'm pointing us to see that Martha as Martha or as Mary, we, we just have to be mindful of our need of Jesus. Works only will not do it for us. And we have to allow ourselves to slow down long enough to hear his voice. To end this series, I want to share one more personal experience. Uh, it was from May 2018. We were in West Allis, Wisconsin. We were praying before service in a hotel room, and we had just found out that this city had the second largest witchcraft temple in the state of Wisconsin, and we were about to start revival there. So the church had uh, warlocks that had come to church. They had found Satanism books in a building that they used to lease, as well as a dead cat from satanic rituals outside of one of their buildings that they rented at one time. 
And uh, so in finding all that out and knowing what was in this city and what we might come up against during our outreach there and in revival, Taylor and I knew we needed to get alone with God. And so, you know, he turned on some prayer music and went in a corner and sat at this little chair, kneeled at this little chair, knelt, kneeled, knelt, whatever, uh, at a little chair in the room. And uh, for me, you know, alone with God when you have an almost two-year-old in a hotel room means I put every every toy that we had um, on the bed and a snack for him on the bed to play with while I went and got down in a chair close by. I was crying out to God and, and just making sure my heart was right. And, and then every once in a while I had to leave the chair and 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 answer a whining from the bed that one of his toys dropped on the floor or really that he threw it. He was like, uh, he was itty bitty. And uh, after a while of that, I left my spot at the chair and came and sat on the bed. And I, I remember being so frustrated, not because of him, you know, I, I felt totally f- defeated though, because I truly desired to get close to God in that moment. But Being a mama and a wife was coming first. Taylor was praying on the other side of the room, and I I just felt like I really needed to let him dig in for the revival and and get a feel for this city. And so while I was sitting on the bed and tending to Ezra, I made a really pitiful, frustrated attempt at praying anyways. You know, I continued to pray, and I, I started to break through just a little. And I remember I just felt in awe that Jesus would come and sit by me in that messy hotel room where I felt like I couldn't even give him all of my attention and tears just began to flow at his closeness to me. I asked him to come closer. Jesus, I feel you here. I just want to be just wrapped in your presence and I want to hear your voice. I, I just want to know more of you. I want you to come close. And then I felt a rush, something different than my typical prayer time. The same rush that I felt at my first at his feet experience that I shared in episode one. I wanted to shut everything else else out and and just sit there and tears continue to flow. And I just at that moment, I just got silent. I remember even putting my hands over my ears to block out the sound of Ezra playing cars because if God was about to speak, I wanted to hear it. I hadn't asked for anything from him, but I just wanted to be still and soak in his presence in that kind of a moment. And Jesus spoke, there's room for everyone at my feet. And I'm so literal and I think of like the true amount of space at human feet. Not many can sit and touch one person's feet all at once. And I just stayed silent though. And then this part of scripture immediately was dropped in my spirit. The heavens are my throne. The earth is my footstool. You know, when this was penned in scripture, I know that that he was speaking figuratively. But I have such a black and white mind though. And the second line rang over and over in my head and I wept even more. Here I had prayed that Jesus would come close again like that first instance, but he was just trying to tell me no one is excluded from the invitation to sit at the feet of Jesus. He proved it with each instance that we've shared in this series, every class, every age, male, female, every point of need. Jesus doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care what you've done or what kind of reputation you hold. There's room for you at his feet. The heavens are his throne. The earth is his footstool. The whole earth. There's chaos in our world today that could be remedied so quickly if only each of us found our rightful place at his feet. All are welcome at his feet. You know, when we reach the throne in heaven and we cast our crowns down at his feet and we worship him, One thing I know is that there won't only be people that look, act, or think exactly like me there. No, I'll be worshiping next to every race, every culture, every tongue, every nation. One thing will unite us. 
That's being believers. Believers in being filled with His Spirit and baptized in His name. There is room for you at His feet if you're willing. But if you don't make time now, it's hard to believe that you'll get a chance to then. It's not a place that all are willing to go. It's not a place of recognition, but it's a place where He will give you influence. It's not a place to be seen, but it's a place where you can hide away with our Savior. And once you have been there, I've said it before, you'll always want to revisit. It's a place where He pours into you. It's a place where He wraps you in love. It's a place of peace. It's a place of refuge from the world around you where stress and weights melt away and He hides you, even if just for a moment, whether Martha or Mary, at the feet of Jesus, you find everything that you need. Today wraps up our first series of um, At His Feet next episode i will have an interview with sister heather cornelius from smithville tennessee and um, you'll really want to hear it we'll dig in on just how she serves her family and keeps her home and um, it's going to be really good you'll want to hear it you want to hear her story she's an incredible woman of god both in her home and as she works in their community and in their church. You don't want to miss it. Also, uh, we'll be switching to every week now. So instead of every other Thursday, uh, episodes will start airing every Thursday at midnight. And um, hope you'll just keep listening and following along. As always, I'll tell you, go ahead and uh, like, share, whatever. Uh, leave a review if you do Apple Podcast. And make sure to subscribe or follow the podcast so that new episodes will just show up in your feed. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time.